0: Let us pray. O God, eternal light, in whom is no darkness at all, illuminate our hearts and minds in the reading and preaching and hearing of the word. Grant that your Holy Spirit, who is the inspirer of all Holy Scripture, may now be to us its interpreter and may lead us through the written word, To him who is the living word and the truth incarnate. Your Son, our Lord, the Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This Advent season, Jeff and I are preaching through four passages, the four that are the first four read as lessons in the traditional lessons and carols. There are four from the Old Testament, two from Genesis, and then two from Isaiah, of all of the passages in the Old Testament that lead us toward the Savior. Indeed, perhaps all the passages of the Old Testament lead us toward the Savior. But these four were chosen with a purpose, and maybe that purpose will be a little bit more obvious in our preaching, but more to the point. More obvious to us in our living, and appreciating what God has done in Christ, prophesied Centuries before, planned before the foundations of the earth were laid, and then made present to us, even in our day. Genesis 22, verses 15 through 18. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. This is the word of the Lord. Stars in the sky, sands on the shore. With that poetic doublet, the Bible makes its biggest promise. In terms of numbers and numbering, on this scale of scales, this is the largest number the Bible contemplates. And it is repeated. Stars in the sky, sand on the shore. The number is unnumbered. The count can never be made. How could you? What is more is that what can be accounted for and most certainly will be Itself cannot be counted. This is a divine promise. A promise is made that though God will gladly be held to account for it, I swear by myself, he says, it is a promise that when kept, can't be counted. Abraham, who first hears this promise of such a scale, knows no thing of greater number than the stars in the sky and sand on the shore. In the ancient, so dark sky, Abraham saw more stars than we no doubt knowing that behind those he saw were myriads he could not see. And in the ancient undeveloped shores of antiquity's Middle East, the sands were the earth of all of his travels. Above him at night, below his feet during the day, Abraham knew of nothing more, more ubiquitous, more obvious, more innumerable, more more anything than the stars in the sky and the sands on the shore. This many will be his descendants. Abraham does not speak. There is silence when he hears the promise. Awe, wonder, excitement, numbness from the numbers, ask to believe the unbelievable, assent to the unknowable, live in a humble confidence and the bold waiting of the promise of God. Abraham doesn't speak. He doesn't need to. God has spoken. God had sworn that it would be so. Sworn not on the passing earth or even the eternal heavens. God had sworn by myself, on myself, declares the Lord. For this promise, God is God's own guarantor. And on this swearing, God is maker and keeper and accountability partner. No promise can be made more sure than this promise. On that scale, too, this promise is unsurpassed. The deed is done. It's already done because the word has been spoken. This is the God who says there is light, and no, the Bible doesn't say, and then he created light. He said, let there be light, and there was. The word creates it. He speaks this to Abraham, and now the descendants, he has one boy, but they are unnumbered. His descendants. Abraham, the Bible reports, returned to his servants and descended the mountain. A rather uneventful response, we might think. No altar made, no new sacrifice offered, no memorial set in place. This is where this happened. No suggestion that even or ever he had reported this promise to anyone. He simply goes down the mo- mountain, goes to Beersheba with his servants. But he comes down with more more than anyone had ever had, and done so by way of an unalterable, eternal, divine promise. He had gone up the mountain with less and with the expectation of losing the little he had. God had told Abraham to go up Mount Moriah with his only heir and son, Isaac, and there offer him up as a sacrifice. Abraham had been promised children before, and God had given he and Sarah an heir, Isaac. But mysteriously, it had to be frighteningly, terrifying. At the beginning of this story, God gave every indication, a command, of asking back the child that he had given to elderly Abraham and Sarah. Abraham obeyed until God again intervened. For it wouldn't be Abraham's obedience that would mark the difference in the world. It would always be an act of God. God stays the knife in Abraham's hand. Having not withheld your son from me, I will not withhold any blessing from you, says the Lord. You and I will read this as followers of Jesus as if God had said, not having withheld your only son from me, I won't withhold mine. From you. And in giving back one son, the only son, the only heir and son Abraham and Sarah will ever have, God promises innumerable descendants and blessings on them all. Blessings. Blessings abound, blessings all around, blessings to all, blessings overflowing to all others, blessings coming through them, to everyone else, all the nations, life, creation. God's all things will be filled with blessing. But someone, I will say at first something, had died that day on the mountain. The substitute for the boy Isaac was a ram in the bush. Isaac was spared. The ram was sacrificed. Isaac had asked his father when the two ascended together and alone, where is the sacrifice? Abraham had said obscurely, God himself will provide. With the sudden appearance of the ram clearly provided, Abraham named Mount Moriah, the Lord will provide. A thousand or so years later, when this story is first written down, the place had kept its name. This is the story of Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah, and yes, the story is still told. Two thousand years later than that, when the first Christians hear the story, we read it knowingly. Mount Moriah is known in their time as Mount Zion. There the sacrifice for the world had been offered. There God provided a sacrificial victim not only for Abraham and his descendants but for the whole world so that all may become the descendants of Abraham and thus be blessed. Well, Christian preachers and teachers, rightly I think, I'm one of them, have made much over the next second set of 2,000 years of another father offering another son in the same place. Much more thinking has made sure to be sure that we recognize that the sacrifice offered there on that Friday of which we speak was provided by God as it had been for Abraham and that he, This victim substituted for us, us all, as a ram once did for Isaac. I know, so far the sermon sounds more like an Old Testament exegesis than of anything seasonal, a Lenten sermon, or a Good Friday meditation. Maybe. But the Advent assignment for us every year is to see, to recognize, to acknowledge, to envision in the waiting what will be in the revealing to know in the promising what is in the fulfilling to expect in the coming what will be in the arrival and what will be blessing the love of God for his creation blessing for all God's love for God's own world the object of his creation the object of his love is known by the experience of God's blessing to us in Christ blessing is the provision of every well of every provision of providing for creation whatever it is that is needed and then more for Abraham a place to be Abraham will be blessed by residence in the land of promise In heir to receive and give in turn to the next generation, Abraham and Sarah will have a son, Isaac. Who will have a son, Jacob? Who will have a son? So much is this blessing of continuance at the heart of God's blessing that sometimes when God refers to God, he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of the whole world. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is known in the continuing line of his promise, his love, his blessing. Peace and prosperity for Abraham. Abraham and Sarah will be admired in their living, if not envied, and honored greatly in their passing. The promise is that their descendants will possess the cities of their enemies. and God will provide protection for his people, peace and prosperity with it. God blesses his own. But in speaking with Abraham, he intimates, all are his own. And what is more, what is very much more, there will be blessings for the nations. This story started with one man going up a mountain with one boy and almost losing him there, a promise that might not make it past the first generation. The story's immediate end is the saving of the boy and the promise of innumerable descendants through the ages. But that's not the story's final end. You know that. It hasn't even ended yet. By this one boy, this one family, this one nation, this one people, all the nations, all the people will be blessed. From one to then another, to a few, to a family, to a people, to all the people. This has always been the promise. This has always been the plan. This is not something God came up with later after it worked with a few. But when he announced it to one, he included all. I'm glad because it included me. The blessings of God widen. God would bless one in order to bless many. Abraham, then Abraham's family, then Abraham's people, then a nation ever widening. One star, one grain of sand on the shore, then a night sky full with lights, and the shores full with grains. First, a woman... Visited by an angel in Nazareth. Then a few disciples following. Then a gospel proclaimed in the cities of the enemies. Taking possession of them. Then us. Someday, all the nations. The descendants of Abraham will not be limited to the bloodlines, but extended to the whole of creation. 2,000 years later than Abraham, another angel will make another promise, speaking for God. This time not to an old man, but to a young woman, an unmarried woman, a virgin, we're told. It will be about her descendant and the blessing of all the people. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary's obedience is counterpart to Abraham's. God's blessing of old is repeated to her then. His kingdom will have no limits. Stars of the sky... Sands on the shore. Behold, said the angels to the shepherds, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. It shall be for all the people. This is the moment when the nations are included in the blessings of Abraham. The Savior is the Savior of the world. This one descendant of Abraham, he will be for all the people. After the story of Mount Moriah, the Bible's next story is the tender tale of the death of Sarah. I love reading this story. Abraham mourns. Abraham weeps. With no place of his own of their own in which to bury her, owning no land in the promised land, he begs to buy some small parcel from the neighboring Hittites. Admiring Abraham, they offer land not for sale, instead extraordinarily offer to honor her in their own best tombs. Abraham declines. After a lifetime of unending travels and woes over much of the ancient Near East, Abraham and Sarah, at first the full length of Mesopotamia, you have never walked so far in your life, then up and down Palestine more than once, across the Sinai into Egypt, always itinerant, his beloved Sarah, he determines, will be laid to rest in a plot that is hers. He asks for a specific parcel, one that had a ready, suitable cave. The owner declines to sell instead He offers to give it to Abraham out of respect, without cost. Abraham wants to own it outright, make a permanent purchase, the only thing either of them ever and would own. Abraham desired a deed. Again, the owner declines. Again, Abraham pleads. In the end, Abraham purchases the property at full price so that he, as he says, simply, can bury my dead. The death of the beloved matriarch Sarah would be the occasion of the first deeded plot of the promised land given to her and her descendants, the first blessing of the land. It is a small down payment on the grand promise of God that her descendants would fill the skies and cover the earth and be blessed. Sarah dies with one son, her only son. The uncountable number of descendants will need to come from just one. One could be forgiven for thinking one might not be enough. One must remember the promises of God, though are sure, though they are not yet fulfilled. Not yet. Such is the lot of all those who wait on the Lord. The trials and travels, the woes and working, the waiting and watching of this present season are not to be compared with the blessings of the next. Descending from some difficult mountain today, do you trust? Hear that the promise of God is for you, for you and for all your descendants, for all the people. Behold, says the angel, I bring you glad tidings of great joy, which shall be for all the people. Do you believe this? Do you? Amen. Let's pray. We confess, we think sometimes how little we have and how far short of keeping promises it seems you have been. Seldom do we remember those small and great things that we have as sureties for all that is to come. For your word to Abraham and to Sarah, for your word to Mary and to Joseph, For your word this day to us, we give you thanks. Help us to believe. Amen.